Welcome to the Folktale Project, this is Dan Schultz. Today we have part two in the story of Prince Ahmed and the Fairy Parabenu. And today we're going to hear about Prince Ali and the aforementioned Prince Ahmed and see where their travels have taken them. This is part two of the story of Prince Ahmed and the fairy Parabenu. Prince Ali, Prince Hussein's second brother, who designed to travel into Persia, took the road, having three days after he parted with his brothers joined a caravan, and after four days' travel, arrived at Shiraz, which was the capital of the kingdom of Persia. Here he passed for a jeweler. The next morning, Prince Ali, who traveled only for his pleasure, had brought nothing but just the necessities along with him. After he had dressed himself, took a walk into that part of the town which they at Shiraz called the Bezstein. Among all the criers who passed backwards and forwards with several sorts of goods offering to sell them, he was not a little surprised to see one who held an ivory telescope in his hand of about a foot in length and the thickness of a man's thumb, and cried it at thirty purses. At first, he thought the crier mad, and to inform himself, went to a shop and said to the merchant who stood at the door, Pray, sir, is not that man, pointing to the crier who cried the ivory perspective glass at thirty purses, mad? If he is not, I am very much deceived. Indeed, sir answered the merchant. He was in his right senses yesterday, and I can assure you, yet he is one of the ablest criers we have, and the most employed of any when anything valuable is to be sold. And if he cries the ivory perspective glass at thirty purses, it must be worth as much or more on some account or other. He will come by presently, and we will call him, and you shall be satisfied. In the meantime, sit down on my sofa and rest yourself. Prince Ali accepted the merchant's obliging offer, and presently afterwards the crier passed by. The merchant called him by his name, and, pointing to the prince, said to him, Tell that gentleman, who asked me if you were in your right senses, what you mean by crying that ivory perspective glass, which seems not to be worth much, at thirty purses. I should be very amazed myself if I did not know you. The crier, addressing himself to Prince Ali, said, Sir? You are not the only person that takes me for a madman on the account of this perspective glass. You shall judge yourself whether I am or no, when I have told you its property, and I hope you will value it at as high a price as those I have showed it already, who had a bad opinion of me as you do. First, sir, pursued the crier, presenting the ivory pipe to the prince, observe that this pipe is furnished with a glass at both ends, and consider that by looking through one of them you see whatever object you wish to behold. I am, said the prince, ready to make you all imaginable reparation for the scandal I have thrown on you if you will make the truth of what you advance appear. And as he had the ivory pipe in his hand, after he had looked at the two glasses, he said, Show me at which one of these ends I must look, that I may be satisfied. The crier presently showed him, and he looked through, wishing at the same time to see the sultan his father, whom he immediately beheld in perfect health, set on his throne, in the midst of his council. Afterwards, as there was nothing in the world so dear to him after the sultan as the princess Nouronihar, 
He wished to see her, and saw her at her toilet laughing and in a pleasant humor with her women about her. Prince Ali wanted no other proof to be persuaded that this perspective glass was the most valuable thing in the world, and believed that, if he should neglect to purchase it, he should never again meet with such another rarity. He therefore took the crier with him to the khan where he was lodged, and told him out the money, and received the perspective glass. Prince Ali was overjoyed at his bargain and persuaded himself that, as his brothers would not be able to meet with anything so rare and admirable, the Princess Norniha would be the recompense of his fatigue and trouble, that he thought of nothing but visiting the court of Persia incognito and seeing whatever was curious in Shiraz and thereabouts till the caravan with which he came returned back to the Indies. As soon as the caravan was ready to set out, the prince joined them and arrived happily without any accident or trouble otherwise than the length of the journey and the fatigue of travelling, at the place of rendezvous, where he found Prince Hussein, and both waited for Prince Ahmed. Prince Ahmed, who took the road of Samarkand, the next day after his arrival there went as his brothers had done into the Bezestine, where he had not walked long but heard a crier, who had an artificial apple in his hand, cried at five and thirty purses, upon which he stopped the crier and said to him, let me see that apple, and tell me what virtue and extraordinary properties it has to be valued at so high a rate. Sir, said the crier, giving it into his hand, if you look at the outside of this apple it is very worthless, but if you consider its properties, virtues, and the great use and benefit it is of to mankind, you will say it is no price for it, and that he who possesses it is a master of a great treasure. In short, it cures all sick persons of the most mortal diseases, and if the patient is dying, it will recover him immediately and restore him to perfect health. And this is done after the easiest manner in the world, which is by the patient's smelling the apple. If I may believe you, replied Prince Ahmed, the virtues of this apple are wonderful, and it is invaluable. But what ground have I, for all you tell me, to be persuaded of the truth of this matter? Sir! replied the crier. The thing is known and averred by the whole city of Samarkand. But, without going any farther, ask all these merchants you see here and hear what they say. You will find several of them will tell you that they have not been alive this day if they had not made use of this excellent remedy. And, that you may the better comprehend what it is, I must tell you it is the fruit of the study and experiments of a celebrated philosopher of this city who applied himself all his lifetime to the study and knowledge of the virtues of plants and minerals, and at last attained to this composition by which he performed such surprising cures in this town as will never be forgot, but died suddenly himself before he could apply his sovereign remedy, and left his wife and a great many young children beside him, in very indifferent circumstances, who, to support her family and provide for her children, is resolved to sell it. While the crier informed Prince Ahmed of the virtues of the artificial apple, a great many persons came about them and confirmed what he said, and one among the rest said that he had a friend dangerously ill whose life was despaired of, and that was a favorable opportunity to show Prince Ahmed the experiment, upon which Prince Ahmed told the crier he would give him forty purses if he cured the sick person. The crier, who had orders to sell it at that price, said to Prince Ahmed, Come, sir, let us go and make the experiment, and the apple shall be yours, and I can assure you that it will always have the desired effect. In short, the experiment succeeded, and the prince, 
after he had counted out to the crier forty purses, and he had delivered the apple to him, waited patiently for the first caravan that should return to the Indies, and arrived in perfect health at the inn where Princes Hussein and Ali waited for him. When the princes met, they showed each other their treasures, and immediately saw through the glass that the princess was dying. Then they sat down on the carpet, wished themselves with her, and were there in a moment. And that is the end of part two of the story of Prince Ahmed and the fairy Parabenu. And we see all three princes have their miraculous discoveries to bring back to their father the sultan in a quest to win the hand of the princess. This is Dan Scholes for the Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and threads at Folktale Project. If you'd like to help support the project, you can head over to patreon.com slash folktaleproject. Or you could always just share with the stories with someone you love. I do appreciate that. As always, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>